This is the E-Commerce Brain Trust, a podcast about building momentum online for established consumer brands. Join our hosts and their expert guests for high-level conversations about e-commerce strategies, trends, and innovations. Access our Brain Trust and boost your brand's e-commerce potential. Well, hello and welcome back to the e-commerce Brain Trust podcast. I'm your host, Kiri Masters from Bobsled and Acadia Company. And today I'm joined by another Acadia colleague, Paula Ersley, who is the head of social strategy at Acadia. She's been working in social media strategy for over seven years with a focus on organic channel management and creative execution that drives engagement. She's worked across a variety of industries from travel to sexual wellness, and she's based out of Asheville, North Carolina. Welcome back, Paula. Hey, Kiri. It's nice to be chatting with you again this morning. Yeah, we spoke a couple of weeks ago about TikTok and Amazon, and that was a really well-received podcast because we see a lot of cross-channel results, really, from, from retail brands that start leveraging TikTok and see those products in many cases kind of go viral on Amazon as a result. So if you didn't listen to that podcast episode, definitely go back and check that out because Paula's TikTok expert and <laughs> had lots of good strategies and tips for brands to start building up their TikTok channel. And today we're talking about a related topic that is sort of a little bit, you know, the, the headline to that subheading about TikTok, and that's about working with influencers. And that was one of the recommendations that you made in our last discussion is if you're going to set up a TikTok strategy, it doesn't need to be you out there making the TikTok videos yourself. You can partner with influencers who have an existing audience they're living and breathing the platform every day. They know how it works. And that's a real, that's a great shortcut that a lot of brands can take rather than taking on the pretty mammoth task of setting up a, a viable social channel for themselves. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I loved that we started touching on that last week. Influencers are an amazing way to get into a new platform. So TikTok was, of course, a great example of how to do that. But influencers are such a robust network that can be used in a number of different ways. So I'm excited to kind of zoom out a little bit today and talk about outside of just TikTok, you know, how can you integrate influencers into your marketing and why? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's start with with the why. What are the reasons why consumer or retail brands in particular would benefit from working with influencers? So I see three main key reasons why influencers can really be beneficial for marketers. Word of mouth, I think influencers can lend your brand a ton of authenticity, especially if you're focused on long-term partnerships. If you're speaking from the brand, of course, you love your own product, right? And consumers know that. If they're following you on social, they're getting your point of view on your product. So there's a little bit of doubt there sometimes, maybe from a consumer standpoint, and they want to find out more from different audiences. So consumers can help build that word of mouth, build that affinity, and build that authenticity for your brand. Something you and I touched on, which of course is, is kind of a second key component to why influencers, is it lets you find new audiences on platforms where it matters. So you might only have owned channels on Amazon or on Instagram, but you might sell a product that's really relevant to folks on TikTok or that's really relevant for Twitch. There's a huge influencer space on Twitch. It's a really hard channel yes. to manage organically, <laughs> yep. but it's a really cool way to talk about products that audiences there might be interested in. 
And then something that I think often gets overlooked when people talk about influencers is just the content itself, right? If you're working with an influencer or a creator to get some new content that they're going to be posting on their channels, that's often amazing content that can be recycled back into your own channels. So whether that's using that content as organic posts, paid ads, flipping it into website testimonials, there's a lot of really great ways to just integrate that content back into your own network. I love it. Yeah. I I just want to jump on a couple of these reasons from a purely Amazon standpoint. And that is, I'm seeing a lot more paid activity from Amazon around influencers. And my most recent example of this was I was on Pinterest and I'm, you know, refurnishing my apartment. And so I'm being targeted by Amazon. Amazon's the advertiser and they're actually advertising their in, their sort of home decor influences on Amazon and their live streams and their curated products like shopping lists where if you're an influencer and you have it you can have like an Amazon storefront essentially and so my whole Pinterest feed all of the ad spots were taken up by Amazon promoting certain influences and you know that would ultimately lead through to their Amazon storefront so yeah. this, you know, Amazon themselves are really jumping on this concept of influencers. And I think that the it, just one sort of use case is if you're a home decor brand and you start working with a home decor influencer, then they're going to add probably your products to their influencer storefront because they can get they can get affiliate commissions from that. And you're sort of deepening that relationship there. And it's something that that sort of halo effect might persist well beyond the one time contract that you might engage an influencer with at least initially. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's an amazing example of just that authentic influencer connection where it's, you've got an influencer who's, you know, a home decor expert or a DIY home designer or whatever that may be. And you're getting their recommendations about not only one product, but multiple products that you might be interested in. I think some brands are afraid of that. They're afraid to have their product associated with others you know, they want to own the space. They think, well, if I'm paying an influencer, I better just get, you know, 100% of that conversation. I think that's a really flawed mindset because you want to create strong connections with other like-minded products so that you're thought of within this space and you're seen as that. You want to create associations with other products. and other products. It's just, it's good for the brand. Yes, I agree. Let's say you're I don't know, a candle brand and you're working with an influencer. They're sort of, they're curating the brands that they work with, any influencer worth their worth the money, I guess, is going to be thinking about, is this product relevant to my audience? Do I really believe in this? Can I really get up on, on TikTok or, or Instagram and talk about how much I love these candles when if you know they're actually curating for their audience and their audience is their most valuable asset? So if you're then sort of added to their array of brands that they work with, it gives you, I think your first point was authenticity and credibility getting out in front of that audience. It gives you a little bit more of that legitimacy. And I, you've hit on an amazing point there. Like any influencer worth their salt is a bit of a curationist. So Mm -hmm. I mean, a huge red flag for me is if you find an influencer and you look at their feed and every other post is a different product and totally unrelated products, that's someone who's just you know, out to grab the cash for that partnership. And they're probably not that curationist that's really going to be trusted by their audience. So that's something that I'm really passionate about is digging back through an influencer Mm. or creator's feed to understand like, what are they really passionate about? What products are they true partners toward? You know, 
does our product, does our partner fit fit in here with the rest of their feed in a way that their audience is going to view as legitimate? Right. That makes a lot of sense. So what are, what are some sort of like bad reasons to chase to chase an influencer marketing strategy? I think the number one sort of reason that I kind of butt up against is people kind of view it just as a way to grow followers, right? Where we're going to get an influencer to talk about our product and just drive this really hardcore messaging of follow, you know, this brand for more. And throwing that in there can be great, but it's it's not going to be the best way to use their time, right? If you're really trying to seek out that authenticity, that legitimacy, just grabbing for followers is is a poor reason to go for influencers. I mean, you can use paid advertising to help you accomplish that and to gain that growth. And then you see some brands, <laughs> especially I'm a little bit of a nerd and following kind of the metaverse, NFT, Bitcoin, sort of all the innovative stuff that's kind of happening in yeah. that realm. And you see a lot of really, really bad influencer partnerships over there huh. where it's some of these NFT products are basically just grabbing influencers to promote something that hasn't been proven yet. And kind of, it's a bit of a swindle scheme. So that's a huge red flag too. If, you, if you're just grabbing for influencers to provide legitimacy to a product that hasn't been proven and that you haven't put the work into mm. actually launching and, and just kind of testing with your core demographic, then you're just asking for, you know, PR blowback. Yep. And so you, you mentioned one of the tips or best practices previously, which was to check back and see to what extent that influences previous content was sponsored and if they're kind of (laughs) operating a bit of a free-for-all curation-less feed. But what other tips would you give brands looking at this marketing strategy? Yeah. I mean, I would say, first of all, find the influencers that are really aligned with your goal and with your key demographic and also creators and influencers whose creative vision you really like. I think sometimes brands get hung up with just going after the influencer with the biggest audience numbers without really thinking about, do I like the creative style of what they're actually producing? If I ask them for content and let them really run with it in the style that we know works for their audience, is that content that I'm going to enjoy? Is that content that my audience is going to enjoy? I think brands sometimes, well, okay, here's an example. I had years ago in my career, someone asked me if we could get Neil Patrick Harris involved as an influencer in a campaign. And I'm not going to go into too many details about what, but (laughs) suffice it to say, (laughs) it was a local campaign. His audience is extremely global. (laughs) His feed was really focused on a lot of sort of nonprofit social good work. And this was for something completely unrelated. And it was just a terrible fit, solely driven by the idea that this client really liked Neil Patrick Harris and saw that he had, you know, millions of followers. <laughs> so that's a huh. terrible reason to go for an influencer. That's going to be a partnership that's going to flop. It's not going to feel really... Well, that is, yeah. that is interesting because, well, I can see why that was un- unsuccessful, but there's one example, and this is Amazon specific because I'm, I'm the Amazon nerd here and you're the influencer marketing nerd, so we'll stick to our lanes. But um, <laughs> <laughs> the energy drink company, C4 Energy, They've partnered with Kevin Hart, I think, for quite a long time. Just Googling it, it looks like they've done some other sort of PR together. Oh, yeah. C4 Energy announces Kevin Hart as the face of C4 Energy. That was a little earlier this year. But what they did over Prime Day was they got Kevin Hart to do like four or five different live Amazon live stream sessions to promote the product and, and brand and everything. And so that's obviously one of your points about like these long-term relationships 
that makes a lot of sense. And this might be sort of a, you know, influencer marketing meets PR kind of situation. But, you know, Kevin Hart, he has a global audience as well. But C4 is more of a US, uh, has more of a US market from what I can see. So there's, if you're going to be working with like megastars, there's going to be that situation to some degree of like, you know, their audience is going to, in some cases, vastly exceed your parameters of, of an ideal customer for your brand. Of course. So there might not always be a perfect fit in that way. But to me, I mean, to your point, that's such a smart play because it is a longer term partnership. It's taking Kevin Hart. It's kind of making him the face of this brand, creating amazing content for it. And he's such a fun fit for an energy drink brand <laughs> because he is like, he's so energetic yeah. and he's such a, you know, comedic bold personality. Yeah. So he's got a slightly bigger audience than maybe what the brand is hoping to sell for, but in terms of, you know, quality of content, fit of personality and authenticity, he's right on the money. Yeah, it says some of the headlines are C4 Energy says get Kevin Hart's smart energy in a can. Yeah, that, I love that. That's a pretty that's a pretty good fit. Okay, so back to other tips that you have. Yeah, I mean, that's right on. I mean, a huge tip for me is just making sure you're aligning those influencers with your brand values and your tone. I think that's an amazing example of how they did that. I think my final tip for brands might be just really making sure you're providing, you know, those creators or those influencers you're working with, with a clear brief, telling them what you want, what you're hoping for out of the content, but really making sure you allow room for their creativity. You know, ideally, if you're picking someone like Kevin Hart to be the voice of your brand, he is someone who has such a unique style to the type of content he creates. He has such a bold personality in his social media channels that you don't want to stifle that. You don't want to give him a brief that's so, so stiff that he has no room to create the content he knows works. And I think that's a huge thing that brands often try to micromanage their influencers and just get them creating exactly what the brand's vision for the content is without really embracing the fact that like this person has built a platform on their own for a reason. So mm-hmm. make sure you let them infuse it with their creativity and with their knowledge about what their audience resonates with. Yeah. Well, that that's a good mistake to avoid. What about some other mistakes? I think big mistakes in general, I touched a little bit on this, but some folks just get really hung up on audience reach without really thinking through the different levers there. You know, engagement's a huge one. Reusability of that content, making sure it's content that, you know, you can you can flight across multiple channels. And again, just ignoring influencers past partnerships or posts. We've had folks come to us sometimes saying, hey, here's an influencer we're really excited to work with. And I'll take, you know, 10 minutes to dive back through their feed and realize that they kind of have perhaps some problematic political views that don't align with this brand's, you know, spoken views. And there's some things like that that just will get ignored if you don't really sit down and do your research. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about how Acadia works with brands to initiate or scale relationships with influencers? Yeah, of course. So, I mean, our big thing is, again, and I've harped on this about a million times, but I think it's worth saying again, is really finding the right influencers for your brand. Those influencers that are going to, you know, continue to lend you that legitimacy and that authenticity. So we start by working with our partners to identify their goals and the key demographics of who they're hoping to reach how influencers can fit into that picture, whether that's on, you know, current platforms they might be using or new platforms where there's an opportunity. So that's a really sort of hand in hand process where we'll just get together. We'll help you plan that all out. We'll come back to you with a strategy that really lays it all out. 
I'm a huge fan of, you know, quality over quantity and these long-term partnerships. So unless there's a really strong reason to have, you know, 40 influencers activating once, I tend to lean towards gearing our partners around those partnerships where it's maybe five or six really quality influencers or creators that you're working with over the course of several months to, again, just really build that sort of partnership and make sure their audiences understand that like, this is a true partnership and this is a brand that they are, you know, genuine fans of and users of. Mm. And then from there, you know, we will handle everything from sourcing those influencers, handling those contracts and communication. We have some tools that we use as well to be able to just like take a deep dive into each creator's insights, content performance, you know, past paid partnership performance so that we can kind of analyze all that and come back to our clients with, with a solid list of recommendations of who's genuinely going to help move the needle for them. That's actually something that we haven't talked about yet is measurement and performance. And it's something that is on the minds of, of any marketer is, you know, I could be spending money here with influencers. I need to see some kind of ROI from, from that relative to, you know, I could be spending that money on ads or I could be spending it, you know, some other marketing initiative. So what's the best way to look at that? Because brands are going to look at it differently. Some people are going to take more of a branding perspective. Like we, we don't, we don't expect to see an immediate ROI from it. It's really going to boost our other efforts. And some other brands are going to be really interested in a direct ROI. What do you see as being like, where does it make the most sense for this model, depending on the brand's philosophy there? Yeah. I mean, I think if you're a brand that's really focused on ROI in the bottom line, there are direct ways we can measure that. So you can give influencers their own promo code or their own, you know, custom link to your website. So you can directly measure, you know, how many people are, are headed from their post and from their feed into your sales cycle, right? Like how many direct purchases did we get through this influencer's promotional code? So there's some really straightforward stuff like that, which is great. You can seriously just measure straight from feed through to sale, which is amazing. That can't be said, you know, for all forms of marketing. But if you are, you know, taking more of the Kevin Hart approach to just use him as, as our number one example of the day, and your goals there are more around, you know, affinity, awareness, brand lift, I think you have to tap into just a series of other metrics, right? You might be measuring sentiment, you might be looking at followers, you might be looking at social conversation, and what's the amount of conversation that your energy drink is getting versus the, you know, competitor energy drinks out there. So I'm a big fan of kind of looking at both. I don't like to look at just one or the other. And it of course, so, so, so just depends on the influencer program. But what is pretty cool about influencers is you can slot them in based on what your goals are and you can measure against them, you know, a number of different ways. Excellent. Thank you so much, Paul. Thanks for sharing your your insights and, and suggestions for brands to consider here if they're looking at an influencer marketing strategy. Yeah, thanks, Kiri. And I think one thing I'd add is some brands I think are a little bit scared of approaching influencers because they worry about the spend. You know, how much is this going to cost me? I like to look at influencers as both influencers and creators, right? There is such thing as a micro influencer, someone who maybe only has five to 10,000 followers, but they're five to 10,000 of the perfect followers for your brand and their content is amazing. Mm. So don't let, you know, the Kevin Hart's of the world scare you off because there <laughs> is, <laughs> there are for the smaller brands, the scrappier brands, there's the right partnership out there yeah. that will fit within, you know, different budgets. Perfect. Thanks, Paula. I'll see you around. Thanks, Kiri. See you around. <laughs>